know the story, have read the books, or see the movie uh, Chronicles of Narnia. In the Chronicles of Narnia, the first, first part of that is the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Part of what happens there is these kids are transferred into this area called Narnia, and they uh, begin to meet the characters that are there. Uh, and one of the things that's happening is in Narnia is that it has been cursed uh, with a, like a forever winter. And the, uh, the, this queen, kind of a witch, is uh, the one that has brought this curse on them. Um, the kids meet this lion that is representing Christ, um, and his name is Aslan. And Aslan comes and uh, he dies, and then he is resurrected. And so that's that whole Christ thing there. And now, as they, as they move along in the story, uh, Aslan comes along to try to break the curse. And so he goes all these different places, and everywhere he goes, it's not winter anymore. And there's a new life that is brought. And uh, so finally, near the end, uh, Aslan shows up with some of his people around him, and they walk into the courtyard of the wicked queen. And she has had all these people that are there that are statues. You remember this? All these statues that are there, and all these were people that had been cursed and have been frozen they're just in right in their spot and they fill this courtyard and so Aslan comes walking over to him and you begin to wonder how is he going to restore these people and the story tells us that he walks over to them and he breathes on them and when he breathes on them they have new life uh, that's similar to the story that we see in Ezekiel 37 uh, I have that scripture here for you you know this um this one kind of reminds us of this story of the life that God wants to bring to us. It's such a, an amazing story, a very familiar story. And so we are, uh, we're going to read together uh, this story. And I thought since maybe you know it well, we would do it kind of interactively. You know, this might be like a kid's own effort, but we're going to have that there. So um, I need like um, 10 volunteers. So just come right now. Uh, whoever, be brave. Come on, just... Uh, you don't want me to call you. Come on, Madison, right here. Uh, need some adults. Come on, Greta. You can help me out. You'll like this. Would you hold that? Jared's coming. Would you hand him that? Ten, right? Come. Thank you, Mary. Uh, she knows she needs volunteers in her class, so she's, she's helping me out with that. There you go. There you go, Michelle's. Who else we got? How many do we have here? Huh? Very good. Let's see, one, two, three, we got six. Oh, we come on, just a couple more. Right, Jeremy's good. He's gonna help me out right there, sitting in the front right there. Huh? All right, here we go. All right, thank you very much. Okay, these guys have a role. I'll tell you what you're doing in just a minute. Um, if you're looking at your outline, you can see uh, the scripture. It'll also be there. So there's some things in bold print that we're gonna all say together. Uh, so you can see right at the beginning, see the things in bold print. Now, um, when when you hear bones. When we say bones, you, I didn't have any bones, so I brought stones or rocks. Um, so you take your little thing and we, 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 bones rattle, right? Okay, so that's when you hear bones, you're rattling. All of you together as loud as you can. All right. Uh, what you're doing is uh, you're going to hear us say breath. You know, most of the time you don't hear breath. You know, the only time I really hear breath is like when I'm laying in bed at night. And, you know, when it's all quiet, you can hear somebody breathing right next to you, okay? Maybe it's really loud breathing sometimes. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, my breath, uh, the, what I hear is soft, sweet breathing over there. <laughs> Hope you're watching. That's it. So uh, we're going to go. I got going to practice. Ready? One, two, three. All right, we're the breath. Uh, so we're doing this interactive scripture. We got uh, things that we're saying that are underlined. We are rattling. We are breath. There's one other thing that happens in this scripture is that when, when God is talking about his breath uh, on these dry bones, he's talking about there's life that is brought. So you'll see in several places that as we're reading, so when you hear life, we're going to shout, right? Uh, so we're just going to say, to give a praise because life is good, right? Uh, so let's practice. Ready? One, two, three. Woo! There we go. All right. So this is our interactive uh, scripture. Everybody ready? Got your parts? Okay. So you're, you're in acting school or whatever right now. Here we go. Um, Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. Ready? The hand of the Lord. Okay. You weren't ready. All right. You're reading the bold right there. And then I'll read the stuff that's in, in uh, the light text there. Ready? We'll start again. One, two, three. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Good job. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath nice, enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. You know, we'll stop right here in just a second. You know, that's where you want to sing the foot bone connected to the leg bone and the leg bone connected to the knee bone and the knee bone connected to the thigh bone and the thigh bone connected to the backbone. It's actually, I think it's backbone actually. So, yeah. And the backbone connected to the neck bone and the neck bone connected to the head bone and this is the word of the Lord, right? Uh, you forgot that song. So that's what's happening there. He's attaching them. Then he says, I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling. Help us out there. And the bones come together, bone to bone. I looked. Tendons and flesh appeared on them and covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to them, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath 
from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. Say it again. A vast army. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Woo! And I will settle in on your land. Then you will know that I, am, I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Fantastic. Good job. Hey, that is, um, that's like candy, so you can keep it. It's like jelly, jelly rocks. You ever had those? You probably won't like how they taste, but you can have them. They're all yours, all right? That's your prize for them. Good job. Oh, that's such a classic story uh, in Scripture for us. I hope that uh, you would think about uh, that with me. The story is the story of Ezekiel. So if you, if you think about the story of Ezekiel, Ezekiel, these were the chosen people of God. Uh, we recognize that they had gone into a time of uh, disarray, brokenness, they had, this army had been defeated. So when the Lord leads Ezekiel into the valley full of dry bones, um, it's, it's basically like saying, this is really bad. This valley of dry bones was uh, the army of the people of God. Um, we've been, they've been uh, defeated and kind of left there. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that um, their bones are scattered. The, they are very dry. You know what that means. That means they've been there for a long time. Uh, they've dried out. Uh, and, and God puts these bones back together. He blends them back together, muscles, and puts flesh on them. And finally, he brings uh, breath to them. So uh, look at these bones. Think about these bones. Um, you, you, you ever felt like you were in the valley of dry bones? Um, those times when you know that you need to be refreshed, when you need to be rebuilt. You know, this whole summer has been about moving closer to God, creating margin in our life so that we can be renewed and refreshed in Him. Um, you know, when you know that God is with you, when you know that God is present with you, it gives you uh, a spirit of encouragement, challenge to us. So the real message behind the story of the valley of dry bones and this breath of God in them is that God has the power to bring back to life whatever is dead. God has the power to bring back to life whatever is dead in you. God can solve or turn a hopeless situation completely around. Ezekiel 37.7 kind of helps us to understand that, how this hopeless situation of dry bones takes place. These bones weren't skeletons of one person just laying there on the ground. These were bones of many people. There were great many bones, that scripture said. Um, you know, for a skeleton to come back to life is pretty amazing. You know, if somebody, if you came across somebody that was laying down that you wondered what was happening to them, you might go up to them and give them CPR or try to, try to do something to help them. But you're not going to do CPR on a skeleton, right? Who would do that? I mean, he's long gone. 
Uh, nothing can be done. What's, uh, but God shows us that the power of God was able to find those scattered bones and to bring them together. The God that is able to repair the irreparable, to repair what is broken and dead in our life, that with God all things are possible because what, he, what happens to us. So that's kind of the background of what's happening here. Now just several things. First of all, God offers his breath. You know, this is, this is what this, this theme of this series is about. God offers his breath. Why would God offer breath? We saw last week that God breathed into Adam, and he became a living soul. We talked about the, the life that he creates in us. But now we have these people that were alive, and now they're dead. God offers his breath because all of us experience dry bones. All of us experience uh, dry bones. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about today, I'm talking about how you can know that you're alive and well, and then things happen in your life. Things break your heart. Things happen in your own soul, in your spirit, and you get very, very dry. How many of you would say, um, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. I've experienced that. Yes, almost all, everybody in the room. Um, recognizing that dryness, that there becomes these times of dryness in our soul, no joy, a dead place where there's no fruit, uh, a dangerous place where we feel lost and broken. Um, the, the Bible talks about some of these, Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You know, I don't know if he's talking about physical water, but he's certainly talking about his spirit. You feel that, the drama of that. Words like seeking you earnestly. I'm, my soul is thirsty. My, my flesh uh, learns for you. You can feel this dry time uh, in his life, in his spirit. Isaiah 26, 9. At night, my soul longs for you. My spirit within me seeks you diligently. See, that's how you are. That's how you are as a believer. When your soul is dry, your heart is dry, you're broken and you long for, you cry out to God for him to bring his breath on you. To allow his breath, emphasizing his presence, uh, to come upon us spiritually. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You, you recognize from all these verses that all of us come to places where we end up in, in dry moments. Would you, um, would you admit that dry moments can be, uh, can be difficult? Dry moments can be sometimes even excruciating. Maybe you ask, where is God? Why are these circumstances happening in my life? Am, am I moving toward him when I can't even really recognize that he's present there? You know, you're not alone. You're not alone. The people sitting next to you, the seat, people sitting across the room, people sitting in the balcony, they all have experienced dryness. When you, you question everything and you're wondering, when is God, God going to show up? Oh, you're, you're not a skeleton laying in the field there, but you might as well be. You feel broken. You're hurting. And you need God. You need him. Oh, if you've been there, uh, you, you remember. If you haven't really been there, 
You need to know what to do, how to deal with those moments, how to welcome his presence back in. Uh, these, the scripture gives us a handle on that. You know, how, how does this come about? How, how does God actually raise them up? What does it even mean? Uh, you know, the one thing we talk about in church sometimes is um, there's this whole idea of a phrase called means of grace. Means of grace. What that would mean is that it's not just enough to say that God is with me, that God is going to bring life. How is he going to do that? You know, this right here that we're getting ready to do, uh, the church would say this is a means of grace. What that means is how does God get into my life? How do I take this belief about him and it's actually applied to me? We would say like baptism and uh, communion, that when you take communion today, it's a way of connecting me to God that is taking me in my dry moments and helping me to, to, to have this yearning and longing. You know, there's a lot of different means of grace. You know, I think singing these songs, it, it, it connects us to God, doesn't it? Man, that breathe, oh, breathe. Man, that just blessed me when they sang that. Um, you know, prayer is like a means of grace. You know, I said it to you. We think Marissa is going to be well taken care of in Guatemala because we pray for her and God's spirit is in her. That's a means of grace that happens on her life because she knows that we're all with her, that we love her and her family and her district and all that we're with her. You understand what I'm talking about? So what happens in this scripture is that God responds in different ways uh, that we can see uh, how, he, how, how it happens in this scripture right here. I'll show you three different things, uh, three different ways that we can recognize that God offers his breath. First, he says, his hand is on us. His hand is on, Ezekiel says, the hand of the Lord was, a, was upon me. Man, I love that. No, there's nothing better than having the hand of God on your life. Amen? When you know that you're, you're not, you just don't have this belief about God, you know that God is leading your life, that his hand is on you, that he's, he's guiding. That's, that's what Ezekiel is saying. I recognize that this is a bad situation, this valley of dry bones, but I know that God is in this, that God is leading me in this. How, don't we pray for that? That's why we need God to give us a means of grace. That's why we can't stay in the dry place, because we need God's hand to be upon us. We need God to lead us. We need him to, to show us what is happening, to teach us how do we deal with the difficulties that we have in our life so that we come out at a place of peace, at a place of relationship with him. You pray for it all the time, don't you? Give me peace about that. I don't know what to do about this situation, but what is so precious is that the hand of God is on her. She's moving to Colorado. She won't have us anymore. Too bad. I miss that. But the hand of God is on her. That's our prayer, isn't it? That's a means of grace that I recognize, I believe that God is with me because his hand is on me. And there's a second one. The second one is the way that God shows interest. God's breath through his interest in us. And I, how do I know there was interest here? Because God starts asking questions of Ezekiel uh, in that moment. Uh, he says to Ezekiel, calls him son of man, 
which just basically, basically means, uh, I know you're a human being and I'm God, but I'm going to ask you a question anyway. And he asked the question, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Um, can, can they live? What would you say? We believe those bones can live, but Ezekiel is like struggling a little bit. He didn't know what to say. And so he says, Sovereign Lord, you know. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to give it away. He, didn't want to, uh, he wanted to express that he knew that God would help him. What I want you to see is that God is interested. One of the ways that God shows his grace and his presence to us is he breathes his breath through interest that he has uh, in us. He showed interest in Ezekiel and what was happening. He's asking him questions about it. Do you think these bones can live? You know, if, if I ask you that question, I say, hey, can these bones live? Uh, maybe our answer would be, well, nothing's impossible with God, right? That's really the essence of the story. Uh, I'll ask the question, you give me the answer. Again, the answer is, nothing is impossible with God. Now, I'm not, want you, I'm not call, I'm asking you just to think about, could God put a skeleton together? I want you to answer, can those bones live in your life? Can that dry, dead place be brought to life again? That's really the story. Can these bones live? Nothing is impossible with God. One more time. Can these bones live? Nothing is impossible with God. That's what we believe. He is breathing his life uh, into this dead valley situation. His hand was on him. He showed interest. And then his life was breathed uh, into uh, those dead bones that were there. He showed great interest and care uh, in him. It was God working his miracle power, bringing true restoration uh, that comes from God. You need the breath of God for your humanly impossible situations. You need the breath of God. God offers his breath and the impossible happens. God offers his breath and the impossible happens. How do you even sit there quietly? It's just amazing what God does when God breathes on you. Dead places in your life come to life. What was impossible becomes possible because of His breath. That's the way it is with us. The Spirit of God brings power. The Spirit of God brings life through Jesus Christ. We are in the Spirit. In us, what seems impossible suddenly becomes possible. What must We have to learn to rely on the power of God, the Spirit of God uh, in us. Nothing is impossible with God. You remember how Sarah was 90 years old and she laughed that she could have a baby, but nothing was too hard for God. God reminded people throughout the, uh, the scripture. Behold, the, the Lord came, the angel Gabriel reminded Mary, for with God nothing shall be impossible. So what would we be talking about today? Do you know that your dead marriage can be brought back to life? Your finances that seem overwhelming can be brought to life again. Your dreams, your family relationships, your health, your faith, your spiritual intimacy with God, the call of God upon your life. Can these bones live? nothing is impossible with God. Uh, see, what is happening in this scripture is that God is trying to affect your thinking. You know, because what happens to us many times is we feel like there's no hope. Nothing, nothing's going to change here. 
Maybe you've been praying about something, dealing with something for a long time. So I'm not just talking about your latest Monday morning problem that you have coming up. I'm talking about big things. You know, a valley full of dry bones is a big deal. It's not just a little small problem that he's going to restore. God does and accomplishes the impossible in your life. Would you believe that? Just think about how your life would be different if you believed that when I have an impossible situation, that I believe that God, by his hand on me, through the interest that he shows in my life, and through his breath that he breathes on me. You know, really this whole series is about recognizing the presence of God in your life. You know, I don't, I don't really expect to feel the breath of God on me. That might be a little weird, I think. But it's his presence. He's close. He's as close as your breath. So today, would you, uh, would you receive his means of grace in your life? As we eat and drink this communion, would you believe that what you think is impossible, what you brought in here that is impossible for you, that God could breathe on you and give life, give life to that moment, to that need, that circumstance uh, in your life? Someone invite some people that are going to come. Cheryl's going to guide the table for us if you're serving communion today, if you would come. They're going to uh, help us think about communion as we wait together. You know, as we come to this uh, table of communion, we are asking God to, to breathe on us, to offer his presence to us. Let's bow a moment and pray for these elements. Heavenly Father, thank you for breathing on those bones in the valley. And thank you for breathing your breath on us. Nothing is impossible with God. So Lord, we pray today for these elements. We pray for this bread and juice. We recognize that it's an avenue of bringing us into the presence of God. As we eat this bread and drink this juice in a few moments, would it be like breath? on our situations, on our impossibilities, that we would believe that you are present in us, with us, changing us. Breathe on us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.